everyone, and welcome into the Season 3 recap of Setting the Tone in the Art Retrospective. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. And joining us for an amazing third time as our Master of Ceremonies for the awards section, please welcome in Jake of the Popular Court. Hey, guys. Uh, third time, long time. My glands are ready. <laughs> you, will, you will figure that out if you're a patron. Oh. All right. So, kicking us off, let's just get a brief discussion of season three as a whole what do we want to talk about for this i i want to start off by saying i feel like we say this every damn season but season three feels like the show is finally like getting its pacing and finding its legs like i know that we're gonna get a lot more development next season but it feels like characters have finally grown into the pathways that they're meant to be on you know they're kind of done cluster fucking around and moving forward we're really gonna get to the heart of a lot of their stories. Yeah, the show is taking shape. Yeah. I, I think I said this on a previous episode. Like the I feel like we can now like block off seasons one through three as the prologue of ER. And like we've now gotten through all of the world the 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 structural world building that we needed. We're still gonna do more world building as we go along, but it's like adding on to the foundation that's already been established. Like we, yeah. we've done a lot of like foundational world building. All of the the key players are in place and kind of on their roads to where they're gonna be as people. And now we can actually get into the fun stuff of like paying off a lot of the character growth that we've seen over the last three seasons. And a lot of the things that have started to be set up, we're now gonna start to see the, uh, the payoff to a lot of that over the next really i think the next four to five seasons like i'm I, mm-hmm. in my for my money i feel like seasons four through certainly four through eight and you could maybe make an argument to extend that into nine um are really the heart of the show and this is yeah. where you're gonna get a lot of the the meat of what makes er so great over the next four to five seasons yeah i would argue I would say it. my my personal like sectioning off of it of the entire show is sec- is seasons one through three then seasons four through eight, then mm-hmm. nine through 12, and then 13, mm-hmm. 13 through the end. Because there's yeah. some major changes that shakeups at the end of season 12. So. Very, yeah, very true. And I, and I would say that, like I said, I think one through three is, is very important, but it's it kind of is overshadowed by how great four through eight is. And then nine through 12 is where it starts to really kind of drift and become something different. And then thir- 13 through 15 is where they kind of they're wrapping things up and it it's it's a mixed bag you know you have a lot of the i've talked about before how season 15 is kind of like a a greatest hits album of like all of the the most fun stuff of the previous 14 seasons and um we're getting we're what i'm so excited about currently is that we're getting into i think the strongest stretch of the show we are getting into four through eight which is where all of the best stuff happens all of the moments that make er er are going to happen over the next four seasons and I'm really excited about that. I'm I'm really curious because I know, Jake, we finally got you to watch ER by doing this podcast. And I'm curious what your kind of impressions were for season three. I know you binge watched it a little while ago and it may not be as like top of mind for you. But what were your thoughts on it coming in as a new? I, uh, you know, the last time we did this wrap up, I watched like most of season two, but not every episode. But immediately after we recorded that episode, that entire next two or three days, I binged all of season three. And God, I'm so into it. And I'm so excited that after this, I get to watch season four now because I'm going to try and do it as we record these things. I loved it so much. It's so crazy to me. And I feel like like I walk around in like a state of like taking crazy pills because like 
people will ask me what my Team Jerry sticker is about, and then I have to explain the podcast, and then I'm watching ER, and it's always, <laughs> we're watching ER? And, like, the show holds the fuck up. It's so good. And yeah. I, I loved so much about this season specifically. Um, and what Danny said about it kind of being the prologue kind of makes sense to me because I feel like, you know, as a, as a kind of person on the outside that we – We've seen baby Carter grow up and he's kind of my metric for this is by the end when he when he, he has that fucking sorry, I don't mean to curse that great speech, that great speech when he's talking to Anspa when he's like, you know, I would be a good surgeon, but I would be a great like patient doctor, whatever he says there. It's just like, ah, oh, that moment I was like, Carter just like fucking won this. Sorry, sorry. He won this season for me besides uh Gloria Rubin. Uh, besides Gloria Rubin, he was probably my favorite. And, like, that that metric to me is, like, yeah, I, I, I can already tell we're in the zone. Like, all the characters are put in place. I'm so into it. I just cannot wait to see how season four changes things up. It's going to be so good. The tone has been set. Wow. So, as somebody who cherry-picked uh, kind of selected episodes because I, th- I can't remember did we give you like a a list of episodes to watch in season two and mm-hmm. that's like yeah that's how you did i it, watched did i watched probably two-thirds of the entire season two and i think it was like most of like the middle chunks taken out but i saw i saw the right. majority okay. of season two yeah i kind of I, I vaguely remember making a list for you of ones that were like must watches how did you find as somebody who cherry-picked season two and to a lesser extent season one and then was able to sit down and watch three in its entirety. How did you feel like three stacked up to the cherry picked versions of two and one that you saw? I think it was because it, wa- watching all of season three, it made me want to go back and watch the stuff I missed. Uh, just because now I am so into the characters and I'm, I'm really, really invested in the storylines. But I don't think it's necessarily wrong to, to kind of cherry pick earlier seasons. I think of really any show because a lot of... The first few seasons, they're still trying to find their footing, and there's a lot of filler there. And so, I don't think you're necessarily wrong to do that. But now, I am, I am very invested in these characters, and I kind of want the full picture. Yeah, well, you're about to get it. You're about <laughs> to get it. Uh, big, big old lore dump coming in the first just few episodes mm. of season four. So you're about to get all, all new characters. Uh, you're gonna get to see some old characters in new ways, and. There's, I can't wait. I'm Mark's, so Mark's going to become a super soldier. They introduce Grand Admiral Thrawn. It really <laughs> takes it really takes you know, the hospital to the next level. Mark's Mark's on a journey currently, and you know that's gonna <laughs> that's the story that, that, that's of this gonna, whole season, man. Is that Mark's yeah. on a journey of douchebaggery? Yeah, it's so it's not so. Great. Mark gets abducted by the by the Ravagers and eventually finds the Power Stone and saves <laughs> saves an entire planet. That's what you're saying. When you what a journey of douchebaggery. Different podcast. Just, oh, okay. just yeah, okay. just wait until we get into the ER multiverse, and then it gets really. Messy. No, don't breathe that into existence, man. Don't breathe that into existence. <laughs> there, there is there an is ER a... mul- shared universe. Yeah, there is an ER shared universe. There is. So. Yeah, that that fortunately that won't be coming up until I think season eight, so we don't have to yeah, worry about that eight. for a, a little while longer. But yeah, there is technically an ER shared universe. Are we gonna cover that? I'm gonna try. So uh, the, the the shared for <laughs> even though I can't fully see Jake's face right now, I'm sure it's a puzzle. Yeah. Oh no, I have no. Uh, I'm, I assume <laughs> it's like the Munch verse where it's like Detective Munch and it connects all these shows. Oh, I wish. Is this like a? I wish. Is this it should be where like, uh, you know, Juliana Margulies actually becomes a doctor. Like it's an alternate universe where no. everything no. different happens. No. 
No, no, it's it's nothing that that complex or uh, cool. adventure adventurous. Yeah, for '90s network television. No, it's it's much more basic than that. It was another NBC show, and I think another uh, John Wells show, the showrunner for ER, uh, Third Watch, which is a pretty nondescript, unremarkable police procedural. Um, it's really not that interesting of a show. Um, I enjoyed but it. It, yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's not it's not ER. It's not something that you need to like yeah. go seek out and and like uh, absorb. It's it's fine. It it wasn't appointment viewing like ER exactly. Was. Um, but they do a crossover episode. They do a pair of crossovers. So there's a an episode where Third Watch enters into the ER world, and then there's an episode where the ER enters into the Third Watch world, and it it revolves around Susan and Chloe and Little Susie. And that will take place, obviously, after Susan returns in season eight. Um, and I'm going to do everything I can to track down the third watch episode where ER, because obviously the, uh, the other direction, ER or uh, third watch bleeding into ER, that's obviously in our main timeline. The other one is not. And third watch is a show that seems to be kind of notoriously hard to track down. It's not on any streaming services currently. I'm going to do my best to try to find it through uh legally questionable means and uh we will see about maybe reviewing it on maybe patreon uh as a bonus that'd be cool because uh, I, I think let... it would be cool to see i've never i've never seen the third watch episode i've seen the er episode several times but i've never seen um the third watch one so i'd like to see that and it is kind of a two-parter thing it, re- it resolves the storyline yeah. i will gladly join in with you it looks like it's a at least a couple of seasons are available for purchase on amazon so okay so we might have to we just buy i think we can and... Yeah, I think we can spend $3 on one HD episode. <laughs> we, of. we can expense $3 out of our Patreon fund for yes. for content creation. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the, the ER the ER multiverse. That'll be coming in a few seasons. But the reason why I ask, like, how it compares from season uh, – the cherry-picked versions of one and two you saw versus watching three as a whole – I said this on a previous episode too, and I know Lizzie kind of pushed back on it, so I want to hear their take on it as well. In my personal opinion, I feel like season three is the weakest season we've had thus far as a Hard whole. I would disagree with I that. Think, I think season two has been the strongest. I think season one is a close second, and I think season three is fine. I don't think it's a bad season by any stretch, but I do think it is the weakest season we've had thus far. But I'm interested to hear th- why you disagree. I think season one is by far the clumsiest season because they're still definitely oh. finding their footing as a show. Like Too our characters filler, yeah. in season three. Yeah. Our characters in season three are finding their footing and there's just, there's still some filler and whatnot, but like, but like I said, we're getting into the meat of the show now with once we move into season four, but season one, they don't know what they are quite yet. I will, I, however, say this, I'm, I'm going to jump in real quick. I will, however, say, I think the like, for lack of a better term, monster of the week, like patient of the week stories in seasons one and two, I feel like we're much stronger. Yes. As they were finding yeah. their characters footing. I feel like yes. that's what we were really lacking in three was a, a f- aside from a few like standout episodes each week, there really wasn't a big like moving patient. And I was totally okay with that because, the, because those episodes that weren't doing the, like you said, the patient of the week, monster of the week, however you want to, <laughs> paraphrase i watch too much buffy no it's okay and that's because those shows are great um i think just lost my train of thought shit monster of the week yeah i think those episodes in season three that aren't necessarily like super patient focused they're definitely more character focused so we're getting a lot more character development in those episodes versus the ones in versus just the overall season in season one it's just sort of like you can kind of strip it away Mm -hmm. and you'd still be left with an 
a with an a with an a quality show. We yeah, do. no, it's a couple. There's a couple episodes, obviously, that are vital in that mm-hmm. one. Um, Love's Labor Lost, Blizzard are two, obviously, of the best episodes of the entire series. But like as a whole, I think season three is much more cohesive from the overall storyline standpoint versus season one. I I want to agree with you. I do, um, and I do agree with a lot of what you said uh, because I do think that season three, you're probably right as far as it's more about character stories and less about like Lauren said, monster of the week, patient of the week type of um, signature patient type episodes. Um, they're more patient focused. Um, but when you're looking at it from above and you're, you're trying to cherry pick like, okay, I, I'm, I'm giving this show to somebody like Jake, who's never seen it before. And I'm trying to cherry pick must see episodes out of each season. And I went through and did this. I went through and, and picked out if I was going to, if I was going to take somebody like Jake, who's never seen the show before and give them like a list of like, these are must see episodes from each season. This was the count I came up with. And admittedly it's very close. Cause again, I'm not saying season three is bad. I'm just saying it's the weakest. I think. Oh no, opinion. of course not. Um, but for season one, I counted 10 must-watch episodes. Now, keep in mind, too, season really? season one is very bloated. Season one is 25 episodes long, far and away the yeah. longest season out of all of them. Um, so 10 out of 25, I, I consider to be must-watches that would would really, for, for various reasons, either they build something character-wise or they have a signature patient that you can't miss. Uh, or there's just a, a moment in there or, or in some in the case of something like Love's Labor Lost is like a like all time great episode. So 10, 10 must watches in season one for season two. I counted 12, 12 must watch 12 out of 22. And then for season three, I only came up with nine. I only came up with nine really like must watch cannot miss episodes of season three and then there's a lot of stuff in there that's just like yeah it pushes the story forward and if you're really invested like we are in picking apart the story on a really like granular level it would be it would be beneficial to you to watch them um but season three is is the the word i go back to with what you were saying just a minute ago is cohesive and i feel like season three is two seasons chopped in like it's it's two seasons cut in half like if this were a Netflix show, this would have been season three and season four because the yeah. first half of season three is very much encapsulated within its own little bubble. And then it's like, as soon as Gant dies, we have like one or two episodes of bleed over. And then we like cut it off hard and we start the second half of season three that has nothing to do with the first half. It's and very clearly the old season break style. Yes. Yeah. Very much the, the, the mid season holiday break style of storytelling where we have a a first half of the season where a bunch of shit's going to happen. And then really bar a couple of episodes where the Gantt thing bleeds into Carter and Benton's storyline. You really don't touch on any of the stuff that happened in the first half of the season in the second half. It's kind of its own thing. And so, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not a bad season by any stretch, but I still think that like for my money, like if you're talking about must watch episodes, I think like season three is it's fine, but season two and season one have many more like stand out. Like you have to see this. Can I, uh, can I lawyer Danny for a moment? Please do. So I want to push back on you're using two different metrics here. One is, uh, that it, one is better than the other comparing like the apples to the oranges. But you're also using that metric to say that the sheer number of much watch episodes is the indicator for that. And I think, I think it's very too, too much different things. I would agree with you on if we're using the metric that by just much watch episodes to 
uh, get someone like me to get into the show, yeah, season one, probably season two, is is much more of that because it is the Monster of the Week episodes. You get these shorter stories that give you a nice little wrapped up bow that can sell someone on the show. I am solidly in the Lizzie camp, though, for the second reason of why I think season three is better is because if we're using a different metric that is not just the single Monster of the Week type episodes, it is, I find season three what the others sure have, but not not as much as season three is reward in storytelling. You have stories that take place over longer stretches of episode that things are planted in earlier episodes that get developed as you know throughout the season and then the ultimate payoff talk about Gantz talk about Gloria Rubin um, talk about the development of our green power ranger I I think season three from a storytelling standpoint and I don't necessarily disagree that it, it's too half of a season but you know I'm not going to divide what is presented to me as season three as just one season. I, I think from beginning to end, and even like Juliana Margulies, talk about Doug. Like, this man's, like, you have character arcs in season three that I don't really think was all that present in the first two as much. And I think they, sure, there there may not be as many singular much must-watch episodes in season three as compared to uh, the first two using that metric. However, I do think with season three, it is much more rewarding in the grand scheme of things as a solid finished product. I hope that made sense. No, no, it makes total sense. And I don't, like I said, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, I don't know. I think my word that I go back to for season three is, um, meandering like they just sort of would lose track of certain storylines for long stretches of time best example of that being charlie uh where they just completely lose track of that storyline for about half the season and then on our most recent episode the season finale they bring it back for seemingly no reason for like a single scene and that's just how it ends and it's just kind of like i don't know like and again the rest of it is more so like Again, going back to the the half season conundrum of like, there's a very distinct first half of the season where there are, um, like, like go back to season two where our our main kind of non non main cast character that was added in was Harper. Harper was with us through almost the end of the season. I think she leaves like two or three episodes before the end of the season. Our main we get two really three if you count Doyle we get three non-main cast like pretty high profile supporting characters added in in the first five or so episodes of this season uh those being Gant uh Doyle and Keaton and in the case of Gant and Keaton they are gone by before like pretty much the halfway point of the season are just gone wholesale uh and then Doyle obviously is still around but uh I don't know it's just to me, it just felt like a season that that found and lost its footing on several occasions. It was one of those seasons that I kept waiting for it to find its footing, and then we would be off to the races, and that would happen. We would have, like, two or three good episodes in a row, and then we would stumble, and we would have two or three really kind of, like, flat filler episodes in a row where it was like, mm, okay, nothing much of note happened on this one, and then we would move on. And so that, I think, is where I take overall issue with it is just that it, it never felt like it got that consistently um that consistent momentum where it was like week after week we're building on something we're building on what came the week before it and um 
But again, not a bad season by any stretch. Uh, plenty of good stuff to dig into here and certainly look no further than the Baby Carter arc. Like, we're we're finally getting some payoff to Baby Carter into John Carter, MD, and I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, Lauren has a lot to tell us about <laughs> all these awards that the show was the only nominated out. for. Yeah, zero wins. Over. So, all of the, you're going to listen, you're going to hear all these nominations and zero awards. Zero it's because award Danny won. hated this and season. That's why I didn't win. It's Danny's fault. Time travel. <laughs> yeah, seven-year-old Daniel had big thoughts on this. Uh, thank yeah. God Twitter. And there's some, around. and there's some baffling ones for the in yes. here like that Which, that were actually like why were they nominated? So yeah, we'll we'll, we will touch on those. It's it's some of these are just like all right. You're kind of like stuffing the ballot box a little bit with some of these. Yeah, Lauren, why don't you kick it off with the 1997 primetime Emmys? All right. So first off, they had the President's Award. I'm not even going to bother to say nominated or won because Lizzie already covered that all of these were only nominations. Um, Next, we had the Outstanding Individual Achievement in Writing for a Drama Series, and that was both for John Wells for Faith and Neil Bear for Who's Appy Now? We have Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Drama Series for Gloria Rubin, CCH Pounder, and Laura Guinness. How did Gloria Rubin not win this season? Like... Her performance throughout the yeah. entire thing was spectacular. I honestly don't know. Also, the fact that she's supporting actress—that yeah, was she's in the main credits. I would argue. I would argue that she's in the main well, credits. She's a main. She's and one not of the as stars featuring. of the show. Well, but if yeah, you go like, if you go down to the very next category, they also have Noah Wiley and Eric LaSalle listed as supporting that's very actors. True. Oh, so I mean, yeah. I, I think they would make those distinctions to try to get extra, get a better chance of people winning. Because uh, if you dump the entire main cast into uh, the lead lead, lead character uh, lead category, they cancel each other out. Um, so they were probably giving people a chance to win. The one I take issue with here, as much as I love her, the one that I take issue with is CCH Pounder. It's like, yeah, CCH Pounder is great. Don't get me wrong, but she's also in like six episodes this season, and barring I think Faith doesn't really do very much in any of them. Like Faith is really her standout episode this season, and beyond that, she's just kind of there occasionally. So, but she's the most supporting of the supporting actresses. Right. Very here. true. Yeah, that's she. The, that's that's the problem with such a large ensemble cast is it's like okay, what's the difference between lead and supporting when everybody has such a big role to play? Mm-hmm. For sure. Outstanding supporting actor in a drama series, which um, was already pointed out, Noah Wiley and Eric LaSalle. Ooh. Boo. Not, Eric LaSalle. No, wow, no, Lizzie hates Eric LaSalle. We no. got beef on <laughs> SDT. Booing that they're booing that they're supporting. Okay. Like Noah Wiley is not a supporting actor, and I would argue that, you know, yeah, they both they both had very significant roles to play this season. But again, you know, yeah. I think they're just trying to get everybody on the ballot. So, okay, outstanding lead actress in a drama series. We have Sherry Stringfield for Fear of Flying and Juliana Margulies for The Long Way Around. Outstanding lead act. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was just I was just gonna say first that illustrates kind of Lizzie's point. Like Sherry Stringfield as lead actress. And she's gone by episode eight. Like, yeah. and Juliana Margulies definitely should have uh, gotten better, more consideration for the long way around. She is excellent in that episode, yeah. which yep. I'm sure we'll touch and on I, as we go along. But, and I would also replace Fear of Flying with Union Station for Sherry Stringfield, but that's just my eh, own personal. Opinion. I, I, I see. No, I, I agree. I liked Fear of Flying better than Union Station personally. Fair enough. Yeah, but I, I get why they would have picked that over Union Station for sure. Um. 
We have outstanding lead actor in a drama series with Anthony Edwards for Tribes. Why was this not random acts? Right. Why did they pick the episode where Mark quote unquote solves a racism? Like why why yeah. did why did we pick I mean, that? That episode is like Oscar act- bait. Like this is Emmy bait. It's, yeah, it's that dangerous oh, okay, dan- what dangerous yeah, minds, yeah. that that kind of movie. The white savior mm-hmm. thing, yeah, because it is a little bit it is a little bit trite because that that whole episode as we, as i recall when we went through it was very much this is an after school special like it's yeah it was not and tone deaf yeah it, it was not a great episode in my opinion but like jake said that's very much up the alley of award season so um outstanding guest actress in a drama series we have veronica cartwright for who's Appy now and faith outstanding guest actor in a drama series we have william h macy and I know there's an editorial note here that we want to touch on. Just the again illustrating the kind of the silliness of these awards. So in this category, all the nominees were nominated for either a singular episode or for their work on a season as a whole. And so William H Macy, it was listed as season three for what he was nominated for. So he's ostensibly being nominated for his work across the entirety of the season. He's in four episodes. Can right. any of you, gun to your head, remember anything that Morgan Stern did this season? Because I can't. Like, I don't even he remember. He a lot about Anspa. Right. Yeah, when it was Anspa, the very beginning that, when Anspa yeah, came on. That was like two episodes in. Like, and he's bitching about Anspa, and then he just disappears for most of the season and then gets nominated for a, an Emmy Award for it. Like, come on. Come yep. on, guys. Um, but a deserving one was Ewan McGregor for The Long Way Around. Definitely should have won that one. Yes. Um, finally, for the Emmys, we have Outstanding Directing for a Drama Series with Tom Moore for Union Station, Chris Chulock for Last Call, and Rod Holcomb for Fear of Flying. All Last good Call picks. is a weird one there for me. Uh, I, don't know. I didn't like Last Call at all. So. Really? See, and I, I liked Last Call. I, it's, it's, it wasn't necessarily as, like, edge of your seat, can't miss it as I remembered it being. Um but I still think it's a really good episode. And to- as much as I'm not a, f- a super huge, like, stand for Union Station as an episode, I do think that the direction of it was very good, and especially that last sequence is very well done. You know, Mark's Mark's magical journey through Chicago, as we, <laughs> as we discussed <laughs> yeah. at the time. Okay, I'm going to ask a really dumb question, because I have, like, episode name amnesia. Which one was Last Call? Last Call was Clooney's uh, overdose girlfriend. Oh, right. Okay, I couldn't yeah. remember that one it either. It has nothing... That has no consequences for the rest, entire rest of the season and does not matter in the yeah it is it is in the very, very slightest it is very bottle bottle episode-y. I don't know like about it, that it I think it really... contributes to the weird emo relationship between him and Mark throughout the season that sometimes feels mm-hmm. earned and sometimes doesn't uh, I, I think it does contribute to that and his kind of ostracism from the rest of the ER cast and then ultimately kind of gives him a come to Jesus moment to give his you know doug redemption arc by the end of the season some some legs yeah uh let's move on to the 1997 golden globes all right uh they got best tv series drama again nominated best performance by an actor in a tv series drama anthony edwards and george clooney best performance by an actress in a tv series drama for sherry stringfield best performance by an actor in a supporting role in a series, mini series, or motion picture made for TV, and that was Noah Wiley. And again, no wins, only nominations here. Crazy. All of those nominations, zero, 
zero trophies taken home and these and these were all just the major awards like i just cherry picked out the emmys and the golden globes there was obviously other awards smaller award shows throughout the year that they were involved in and did win some of those um but i think notably everything is uh everything that they win with the exception of one and this is across the entire show everything that they win with the exception of one is a cast or show level award like it is a um you know direction or um like ensemble cast or the show itself i think juliana margulies is the only actor or actress singular from the show who takes home like an individual award over the course of the entire series which is wow. crazy <laughs> absolutely crazy you think about all the people that came through er over the years and all the amazing performances and everything and you get one one single emmy award out of it it's crazy it's rigged fake news <laughs> don't don't we're so (laughs) no anyway uh so our last two categories here before we get into the awards uh characters we actually said goodbye to and you know characters who actually had a defined ending so we kicked that off with nurse Rhonda sterling her final appearance being season three episode seven no brain no game uh i'm sure jake has words about like she yeah. is my by far least favorite character from this season. Oh, she sucks oh, so Jake. much. Jake, yeah. we'll get there. Okay, we'll get well, there. I'll I'll save my <laughs> rage worry. for then because I have save I think it. I think save I have it. good points about why she sucks. But oh. let's keep going. Yes, no, we'll we'll get there. You you will have your time. Yeah. Uh, Susan Lewis in episode eight Union Station. Not really. Yeah. I, I, I mean, put her I put her in we, here as a goodbye, but technically obviously it was a it was more of a see okay. you later. We can we can use this in the fact that it was not her intention to come back to the show. Right. We didn't know right. if she was coming back. Yeah. At this point in so time everybody was t- thinking yeah. it was forever. Yeah. Uh, and then the previously mentioned Dr. Keaton uh, in Night oh, Shift. I love her. Uh, also Yeah. I she do was, too. She was she was pretty great. She was really good, and I would have liked to have seen her stick around in some, or even return in some capacity, like uh, just as kind of a, oh, even if it was a one-off appearance, I think it could have been cool. Um, but uh, Doctor Dennis Gantz, in also from Night Shift, and uh, oof, <laughs> the most definitive ending, you <laughs> you could argue from the end in this season, um, and. What was this one that you wanted to mention? Oh, yeah. So th- this one was more of a make good on my part of um, that I forgot to or I neglected to make mention of this character that I initially wrote off as a one off. But then she kept appearing and I just kept forgetting to make mention of her on a regular episode. So I figured I'd do it here. Um, the character is Mary Kane, who was the or who is the um, nurse admin person that Carol mm. keeps going back ah, and forth yes. with. Um, it's played by actress Deborah May. Um, she technically makes her final appearance for a while in uh, episode 16, Faith. Um, and I put kind of because technically she does come back um, quite a ways down the line, actually. I think it's like 2000 or 2002, somewhere like that. So we're talking like season six or eight. She will come back for one more appearance. And I'm very curious to see how they reincorporate her that far down the line. Um, but uh, yeah, so th- this is more of a just like, Mm, my bad i didn't i didn't make note of her i thought she wasn't significant enough to mention on a regular episode uh but turns out she actually was she was around for about i don't know a third of the season and uh 
Carol kept kind of button heads with her a little bit. Uh, so she's not technically gone, gone. We will get one more appearance of her, but she's gone for a while. The Susan Lewis Award for... <laughs> <laughs> for um, and our final person that went off into that good night uh, was Charlie in the, ser- in the season finale. One more for the road. Yay. This is another... Yeah, this is another one that I want Jake's thoughts on, and she doesn't pop up in the uh, least... Imp- uh, least favorite character category. So Jake, tell me what your issue was with Kirsten Dunst as Charlie. It's it's you know <clears throat> this is this is strictly for for my love my lovely bestie Lauren. Uh you know like when you decide to watch uh all of the Lord of the Rings movies in a day and it's like 1 a.m. 2 a.m. and you're fucking tired because you're 30 years old and exhausted just from everything and you get to the end of Return of the King. And then the movie ends, but it doesn't really because Frodo still wakes up in the bed and then the movie ends again, but it doesn't. They still got to make their journey to the Shire. (laughs) Then the movie ends. Nope. They got to make the final trip to Valinor. Then the movie ends. It's like it goes on for too long. This bit with Charlie, it could have done it in like an episode or two, but she comes back too many times. And every time she pops up, she sucks. She sucks the, not just the joy. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't do decent things with their characters, but she's such a shit face. I have no compassion for her. Her her story obviously sucks. I, I have a lot of compassion for the shit she goes through. But Jesus, it's too many times, and it's the same thing every fucking time that I just, I know where it goes. And she's just like screaming in the middle of the fucking ER that Doug like molested her or whatever. And I'm just like, leave Doug you are too smart talk to a smart person one time and get the fuck away from this girl get out I hate I just did not I did not enjoy her time on ER but it's okay because in a few years she'll morph into the actress that we know and love as Mary Jane Watson and that one chick from uh, Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind I think that's what we decided uh on, the, on her final appearance was that our head canon was that she just changed her name and changed her hair color and moved to New York city. And uh, yeah. So that means that the <laughs> Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies are going to be a part of the ER verse. You guys can do a review of those. Hey, yep. that's fine. That's why the people from third watch have the time to help Susan is because Spider-Man's handling. All yeah. The he's crime. got it all. He's, he's, go. he's on top of it with Charlie's help. Yeah. Charlie was, um, Charlie was a character who I, Going like in my mind's eye, my memory of of this period in the show, this was another case of like a story that I thought was more significant than it really was. Um, Same. When I when I think about the early seasons of ER, I'm like, oh yeah, Kirsten Dunst. She has like a an extended arc, and like it, it's kind of a, a critical character moment for Doug, and like really helps him kind of grow and learn and things. And like going back and watching it, I was like, this like Jake said, you could cut this out, and really nothing would be different. Like it doesn't really help Doug's arc that much like he doesn't really learn that much from charlie and he he really just ends up getting sidetracked by charlie more often than not and it's and then like i said they just sort of drop it for like half the season they just forget she exists and then they bring her back at the very end for seemingly no reason at all and yeah it's just a very disappointing very underwhelming storyline uh when it comes to charlie so, Daniel, why don't you uh, take us through the characters who got bobbed? It's the moment everyone's been waiting for. The list. The list of the bobs from season three. And some of these, well, not not really, though, um, are going to be questionable. Not really questionable, but 
they're kindas. Um, but first and foremost, we start off with uh, one of our faves, one of our problematic faves from season two, Shep. Shep the paramedic. Uh, Shep Shepard, whatever, whatever we decided. He does f- actually make one final appearance, which we discussed back way back when in the uh, season three premiere. He uh, has a very awkward conversation with Carol at the softball game uh, with his new new girlfriend Vicky Pastrami or whatever the fuck we decided <laughs> Nikki her name Pastrami. was. Some fake name. <laughs> That's right. It was That's something right. like that. Yeah, it was something like that. Um, he has a very awkward conversation with her. I think we remarked at the time like that it was probably a decision by the writers that we didn't make this clear enough in the season two finale that they were broken up and done forever. So we need to bring him back and kind of illustrate, okay, they broke up. This is done. We're moving on to other things because there's really no other reason for him to be there. Like he just kind of shows up, has this one awkward conversation with her and then walks away and is never seen again. So I don't know. That one's, that one's kind of a questionable one. Another one that is kind of an almost one, same episode. This is in the season three premiere. This one isn't almost in the in the sense that we will never see him again, but he will be referred to again many times between now and season eight when Benton leaves. And that is Walt, his brother-in-law, played by Ving Rhames, uh, who makes his final on-screen appearance in season three, episode one, uh, where he is uh, working the grill at the cookout when uh, when, uh, Peter and Carla meet for the first time. Uh, he Gets is saucy. Yeah, he is working the grill, well, goes inside to get more hot dogs ostensibly, and then is never seen again. I'm going to be technical here and say reunite. When that's they true. Reunite yeah, they're not, they're not they meeting for the first time. You're right. You are absolutely correct. That's the, <laughs> it's the one and only time they have chemistry. Let's, let's say that. Yes. It's the one and only scene in the entire show where those two actors have chemistry. Uh, Fair. But yeah, very sad to see Walt go. Very, uh, I, I grew to love Ving Rhames and Walt uh, in his brief, infrequent appearances that he would make. Like he's obviously not a character who is ever going to add a ton to the show uh, from a storyline perspective. He's not a super important character, but he was one that I was always excited to see pop up, and it was always like, oh, cool, Ving Rhames is back. But uh, no more. Uh, moving on, there we, we actually had a, a big drought of Bob's. We went from the season three premiere all the way took until episode 19 for us to get our next one uh and that was nurse wendy goldman which we touched on this in that episode um where uh there's obviously more to this story that we're not really going to touch on here um but wendy is uh helping jerry and Jeannie with the mouse search uh so a, a very fun story to leave on um i i could have sworn she was on longer I could have too. Yeah, I would have really thought that she would. If you'd have like asked me for my prediction for how long she would have been around, I would have said maybe like season four or five. Right. Because um, I knew she wasn't around forever, but uh, I didn't know that it was this early. But uh, yeah, so we lose lose Wendy in season three, episode nineteen, and then in season three, episode twenty, the very next episode, uh, we lose Doctor Greg Fisher, aka the forty fourth president of the United Obama. States, Obama. Obama. It's, it's Obama. Obama. <laughs> One of the more fun little bits that we have had over the course of the season. We've had a lot of fun with uh, Greg and, by extension, Obama. Uh, yeah, I was. this was a character that I had completely forgotten about. Like, when he popped up, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy. Like, was made no impression on me whatsoever the first time around. And watching him again, I really grew to like him as a character. And I think we all sort of wished that him and Jeannie had lasted longer than they did. Uh, barring his final appearance, which is a little bit problematic. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, he, he has kind of a, a shitty ending, 
but him and Jeannie have their little blow up and then he goes up the stairs in true sitcom fashion, goes up the stairs and is never seen again. He ends up going to join the military and he becomes the Martian Manhunter in Zack Snyder's Justice League. He has yeah. a good life. Goes, Obama does goes good on things. to do many other things. Yeah. Obama's, uh, he's doing all right for himself. Uh, someone else who walked up the stairs and was never seen again in the very next episode, season three, episode 21, we have Dr. Nina Pomerantz. Ugh, the I love psych. her. She was pretty good. She was a, a underrated, um, underrated pair for, for Mark. Um, there's two seasons in a row. Now they've done this. They did it with Iris in season two and they did it again with Nina here where they give Mark kind of a semi-interesting, uh, romantic interest late in the season and then dispense of her completely like just never gonna see her again so it's okay she went back to kansas to be with Phil, uh, to be y'all with better Phil call me when you do and the then... the movie review for twister i'm there day one give me <laughs> i fucking love that movie lizzie, lizzie had to get one more twister does, does that does that count enough for us to do twister there's gotta be well isn't jerry of in it? of course yeah jerry's in yeah, it jerry's in it okay so yeah we're good Perfect. Jerry okay. has a speaking role in it. Yeah, well, Jerry's, Jerry's in it, so it automatically counts. That counts. That gets, okay. that gets pushed to the front Great. of the line. Uh, <laughs> it's the Jerry clause, you know. Um, and then our final, final and maybe like most melancholy one here, uh, we lose in the season three finale, we lose uh, E-Ray, the desk clerk, the delightfully I, bizarre I, E-Ray. I didn't know I'd be this sad about E-Ray being gone, but... After hanging out with him for a while, I'm I'm kind of bummed. Yeah, he's definitely one of the more fun desk clerk side characters. Like he wasn't there every single episode, but like remember that really f- like he did the whole MRI bit with him and yes. Jerry and mm-hmm. Wendy. Like that was such a fun little his, C plot. Like his superpowers. Yeah, and I think it's especially it's especially strange or. I don't know what the right word is, but it's, it's especially conv- conflicting to talk about him not being around anymore. When you think about what a strange kind of hanging thread ending he does sort of get, like where the last appearance he makes is where he's talking to Mark about when Mark's having his like really bad day. And he's just like, it must be so cool to like do something where you like make a difference in people's lives and everything. And Mark's just like, yeah, whatever, asshole. And it's just like leaves. And that's the last time we ever see E-Ray. And it's just kind of sh- Kind of sad. I'm going to choose to headcanon, speaking of Spider-Man, I'm going to choose to headcanon that he develops his superpowers further and becomes Electro <laughs> and goes to fight Spider-Man. Okay, I don't see E-Ray as a villain. No, he use, he, superpowers can corrupt a person he uses, pretty easily. He, Not he develops his superpowers to become Alan Alda and return like four seasons from now, whenever that is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's the, so uh, pretty... I would say pretty clean overall. I mean, we only got, what, six total bobs? Uh, yeah. And yeah. two of them were kind of like season two holdovers where it was like we were pretty much already done with these characters and we're just tying up loose ends. I, I Pretty clean season overall from the Bob department. And and I mean, even, even with like Greg and Nina, like they didn't have a clear like we're broken up, it's goodbye. Mm-hmm. But they had enough of kind of a like shit's not great with the person that they were with Mm -hmm. so it makes sense that we don't see them anymore we don't get a clear goodbye but it's still like okay that one i can buy sure yeah no and that's i would say out of all of these the only ones that i would consider to be tried and true like 100 percent bobs would be wendy and e-ray i think wendy and e-ray are your like 
indisputable bobs where these people were around for long periods of time and we really got invested in them as characters and then they just disappear one day and are never seen again those would probably be the only two i would say that really really truly count um but still overall pretty clean season all right folks so if you're listening to this on our main on your main favorite podcast feed uh we are going to say goodbye to you for now uh that's normal that's how we do things here on the season recaps uh if you'd like to listen to the full season recap including our all of our awards beautifully narrated by by mr jake terrell uh here in just a few minutes we would invite you to uh subscribe to patreon to uh, we would invite you to subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash the tone podcast at the five dollar level and up you get access to the full episodes of this and in addition to many other rewards uh and you can help us get ever closer to our goal of world domination and you and we can help keep the show going you know, we really appreciate all your support and yeah, if you're, and if we're going to say goodbye to you now, we will see you next week for the season four premiere. So excited. Hey, STT fans want even more from the setting the tone crew. Si, senorita. Then head on over to patreon.com slash setting the tone podcast and become a patron today. You set the tone. You'll get exclusive access to show notes, season recap episodes, bonus video content. No, no, there would have to be more as well as audio commentaries from movies starring your favorite ER cast members. You think we need one more? All right, we'll get one more. And best of all, you'll be first to gain access to Setting the Tone, The Lounge, the monthly bonus show where you get a peek behind the trauma room curtain and hear the latest and greatest happenings in the lives of the Setting the Tone hosts. That's it. That's all there is to it. So what's a problem? You still here? (laughs) For as little as a dollar a month, you can help support one of your favorite podcasts and get even more great content. It's enough to make even Benton crack a smile. When did it start raining?